Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Salem, Massachusetts with my new friend Kate Walinga, the host of the Ignorance Was Bliss podcast. Kate moved to Salem while attending grad school in Boston. The rent was cheaper and she was drawn to the dark emo vibe of Salem's reputation. She stayed in the small town because it's safe and it's convenient to Boston. In this episode, Kate and I talk about where the Salem Witch Trials really happened, attending the Ice Sculpture Festival, and exploring the Peabody Essex Museum. You've got these three incredible interactions and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Salem. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Don't you just hate waiting in line for security at the airport? Me too. Even the pre-check lines are slammed most of the time today. That's why I use Clear to skip the lines and get to my flight quicker. For my listeners, I've actually worked out a special deal where you can try Clear for free for two months. This is a limited time offer, so go to wetravelthere.com forward slash clear to sign up today. Hey, Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you. Today we're talking about Salem, Massachusetts, and it's a, a city that I think most people like through school, we've come to know of it as like the Salem witch trials and everything else. But I think that there is something pretty interesting about the city that, that you want to be able to tell us about. It's a fascinating little spot, but the one thing that I do immediately when I talk to people about visiting is I crush their hopes and dreams by pointing out that the witch trials and accusations didn't happen here. Well, that's so fascinating. Well, hopefully we'll we'll learn a little bit more about that as we talk to the show. So what's your connection to Salem? I live here. Did you grow up here or did you come here for college or, or what's your connection? I came here for grad school, but more specifically, I was pregnant with my first while I was in the middle of grad school because I make poor decisions in timing. And so (laughs) my husband and I were looking around for a way that we could live close to Boston without having to actually sell that child to live there. And Salem is 10 to 15 miles, depending on where in Boston you're going. So it's a commute, but it's not a killer commute, and it's considerably more affordable. Plus, I was 22 at the time, and I bought into the cool goth vibe. I thought I was an emo kid, and so Salem (laughs) really leans very intensely. Like, we own our weird in a very serious way. So we moved here in 1999, and... We had a break where we lived in New Hampshire for grad school, and then when we had the opportunity to come back, we came back to Salem because we were familiar with it, and it is a nice little town. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, and just from like kind of doing my research ahead of time, I think that the whole, you know, the witches and everything like that, like it really kind of happens mostly in October, but the rest of the year, it's just a normal, fun little town, and, and everybody just kind of does their own thing, right? The high school mascot is the witches. Okay. (laughs) And we have Gallows Hill, and we have streets that are called, for instance, Witch Way. I'm literally holding my head when I say it. (laughs) So, like, we own our weird, but at the same time, it's not a huge town, which I think a lot of people sort of assume, like, since they've heard of it, it must be this enormous place. It's a small town, both in footprint and in population. And it's 
fairly quiet unless it's October. Yes. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So if you had to describe the people or the town in just a couple of words, how would you do that? Salem is quirky. We have the very buttoned down old school Yankee. You know, I know who my neighbors are by sight, but we don't do drop on buys. We don't visit like quarantine wasn't that weird in terms of neighborly interaction for us. But we also have the Wiccans, pagans and neo-pagans and a number of other forms of spirituality that have been drawn by the reputation of the town. And so people dress in funkier, unexpected ways, sometimes costumes, sometimes goth by choice. You know, it's it's an, a mix that feels like it would be uncomfortable, but it's actually, it coexists really well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I love it when like cities like that, where they allow people to just embrace whatever you know, style or, or trends that they want. And, and hey, as long as you're a good person, I'm cool with you, you know? Exactly. Okay. If people are planning their trip to Salem, obviously October is going to be a busy time because of Halloween. But what's the weather like throughout the year? Or, and are there any other festivals or events that maybe somebody wants to plan the trip around? It is New England. And so you want to be careful if you schedule a trip between, say, January and March. It's going to be cold. We do get snow. We do get ice. It's not always fabulous and wander the street sort of weather. But there are people who like that. And we have a chocolate and ice sculpture festival every February. So there are some draws to the city in, in that time. During the summer, it gets fairly humid, but we're on the water. I think people seem oddly surprised that the ocean is right there. But the ocean is right there. And so we get a reasonable amount of breeze that warms us up a bit in the winter and cools us off and slightly lowers the humidity in the summer. So we only have a handful of days every year that are so hot that they're miserable or so cold that they're dangerous. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I have kids that are in school, and if uh, maybe we're planning a trip for the summertime, is the summertime a, a good time to visit with like the beaches and everything right there? Fantastic. We don't have a big sandy beach in Salem. It's a harbor city. So in maybe 2016 or so, one of my kids had a friend visit from the Midwest and that friend had never seen the ocean. And so we spent a Saturday, I think we went to eight different beaches on one day and it wasn't like a speed round. It wasn't like speed dating beach edition. (laughs) It was go to one, spend an hour, go to the next kind of thing. And so there's the whole range within a very, very easy drive. In Salem, being that it is both an old, old city and has the harbor there, my favorite beaches are ones where you can find handfuls of beach glass and treasures like that. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. Well, let's take a step back for a second. You mentioned that Boston is uh, about 10, 11 miles away. So if we're we're flying in and coming to, to visit you, or you know, hang out in, in Salem, I assume we fly into Boston. And then from there, do we rent a car? Do we take public transportation? Like, how do we get from the airport to Salem? Yeah, you would take a, a flight to Logan Airport in Boston. And then there there are a couple of different public transportation routes that you can take. 
there's called the Silver Line, which is sort of fancy buses, basically. You can take to the commuter rail from North Station, goes directly to Salem and has a stop here. And that's within walking distance for one hotel for sure. And the others, if you're feeling up for it, or we have a lot of Uber and Lyft drivers and cab services and that kind of thing. So it is possible. And if you come in October, I would definitely say don't bother driving because the traffic is unreal. But if you're coming in the off season or you're willing to sit in the car and watch as hundreds of people cross the street in front of you, (laughs) then renting a car makes things easier because it is just far enough outside of Boston that we don't have a subway. So public transportation is limited. Well, like when we're once we're there in Salem, and like you said, it's pretty small footprint as far as the the city goes. Do we need a car to get around, or is it primarily walking, or should we just take an Uber? Everything that the tourists want to see is in walking distance of the three major hotels that we have. Okay, and those three major hotels are they more like boutique properties, or is it part of like a, a big chain like a Marriott or Hilton? Both. We have two that are what I would consider boutique properties. There's the Waterfront Inn, which I don't really know much about. I've never stayed there being a local. We have the Hawthorne Hotel, which is a historical landmark. It's gorgeous and it's reasonably priced for being a historical place. Plus, theoretically, it's haunted. So there is that if that does it for you. And as of 2020, we have a Hampton Inn that just got built sort of right downtown. We were all worried that it was going to ruin the landscape, ruin the the skyscape of the country. And it real like we don't notice now. Now that it's there, it's fine. And it's kind of nice not to have to put up your relatives in your own house if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I, you know, I really love my family and other times it's like, I love you from a distance. Right. And uh, it's good when they're they're there, and it's also good when they're not there. So exactly. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's really good to be able to explore and and stay at something local. Like you said, it's it's haunted. It's part of like the whole vibe, right, of Salem, especially if they're if you're there during October. But sometimes you want to know that you're uh, maybe using your points. Like I like to use airline miles and hotel points. Want to be able to use my points to stay or. You just want to have that consistency, right, of a, of a bigger name brand. So that's good that you have a little bit of both options. Plus, I'm sure there's also a lot of like Airbnb type of properties there as well. As far as I understand, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's talk about a little bit more of what we should do while we're while we're there in Salem. Let's kind of hit back where you mentioned that the Salem Witch Trials actually didn't happen in Salem. So did they happen in a nearby city or – well, in the, the late 1600s, 1692 is when the witch trials occurred. And at that time, there was Salem Village and Salem Town. Salem Village is about five miles away, which five miles in the late 1600s was a lot longer than it is today. And Salem Town is here. And after it was all done and everybody sort of shook themselves and realized, oh, that was not good. That was mass murder of innocent victims. We don't want to be associated with that. And so Salem Village decided that the correct answer was to change its name. So that's Danvers now. And none of the original buildings exist. The cellar and footprint of the building where 
the family of the parish family lived at the time, and that's the family that made the very first accusations. The footprint of that is there. So you can go and look at an empty cellar, like a big hole in the ground, basically. But they've done away with a lot more. They, in very recent years, have put up a couple of memorial plaques here and there. And if you recognize the historical names associated with the witch trials, you can see them around Danvers. But Danvers doesn't get the tourists, which I think is kind of funny. And (laughs) Salem had the jail where they were held. Okay. That building still stands right now. It is apartments and the occasional restaurant, although the restaurant keeps changing hands. And I'm not really sure why, because it's a neat vibe in a neat place. But for whatever reason, they seem to be having a hard time finding a permanent place. And that's been the case the whole time we've lived here. Gallows Hill is in Salem. And that is the hill where the gallows was. So at the time, they carted everybody off on wagons once they were found guilty and drove as far as they could. And it turns out that as far as they could meant just over, and when I say just over, I mean a couple hundred feet over the town line from the next town over. And that's where the hangings happened. And in 2015, we confirmed that the burial, which could not be on consecrated ground because Puritans, happened at the base of Gallows Hill. So the victims are actually primarily unceremoniously dumped under the Walgreens parking lot on Boston Street. And so (laughs) the Walgreens, by the way, was not there in the 1600s. I feel like that's important for clarification. (laughs) Yeah. And there is a second memorial there called Proctor's Ledge, which is at least a little more genuine and realistic because there's there's a memorial downtown Salem as well, which was put up when the answer was, well, we get all these tourists and we don't know where they were buried, the, the victims, not the tourists. And so here, let's put a thing up and let people walk around. And it's right next to a cemetery. So we're sort of implying that that's where the people were buried, <laughs> even though they were not. Yeah. And so now that's still up. And that's still in downtown Salem, but there is a second memorial very close to where they were actually interred. So if you go to Walgreens, is there a memorial sign there? It's 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 like 200 feet up the road from Walgreens, but it cracks me up that, you know, <laughs> it's just that's that is Salem in a nutshell. That like this incredibly important historical moment. And we plunked a Walgreens on top because we didn't know. <laughs> right on. So. What are some of the other things that we should be that we should do when we visit? Because obviously, it's kind of fun for the the quirkiness of and historical nature of the of the story there, but I'm sure the city has other things to offer as well. It does. Being New England, a thing that I think surprises a lot of people. It surprised me. I come from upstate New York, and so moving to New England, one of the things I learned about the really old towns is that rather than having one big cemetery, you have many many small ones. And some of them are pretty big by now. And they're open to the public. There's no wall around them. And you can just sort of go in. There's a vibe to that and a respect for the history and understanding the common names that you see and the dates. You get a sense of the ages of people. So those are everywhere through the city. And each one has a signpost that gives you a sense of here's who famous was interred here, but also just going to see who wasn't famous. I think they matter as well. 
if you're not into that, Pickering Wharf is right downtown. We have, and I'm not making this up, the Friendship. That's what it's called. It's a big wooden three-masted sailing vessel that represents the style of shipping trade that kind of put Salem on the map in the first place before we were put on the map for less positive reasons. And that's available for tours and that's on Pickering Wharf. And there are a lot of little shops that run the gamut from your typical cute sort of touristy, silly souvenir shop there's one, again, I, I keep saying I'm not making this up because people are like, really? No, really. There's one called Salem Dippity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and But that is, it's a cute shop and it's, they're reasonably priced. We have an important distinction in New England between antique shops and junk shops. So antique shops are places you don't necessarily want to bring children because they're very high end and fancy and don't touch it. Junk shops are fascinating treasure troves, and you can just dig through things, and sometimes you find really valuable or special items, and other times you find seven of the same thing, and it's missing, you know, seven of the same spoon, and it's missing the eighth for a table setting or something like that, and that's just the risk that you take, and those, I love that. I love the the randomness of that. We have a lot of... Wiccan and pagan stores that sell runes and tarot cards and spells and the like. So that's always just sort of fun to wander around and look. Everybody gets excited that we have a Harry Potter store in town. We have a really nice museum, the Peabody Essex Museum. And when I say Peabody, everyone else pronounces it Peabody, but that's how we know you're a tourist. And you said it's the, the Peabody? Essex. Essex? Oh, okay. Yeah, the Peabody Essex Museum is also downtown. All of these things are within easy walking distance. Even for myself, I broke my back several years ago, and so I'm limited in mobility, and yet I can walk from place to place, including the major hotels. So that's helpful. It's a very easily walkable city, and all of these things are sort of, they're right downtown. They're interspersed with a lot of fun little restaurants and we know we expect people to just wander in and out of stores and check things out. Well, that's cool. So at the museum, what, what type of, uh, what's their focus or what type of things do they have on exhibit there? It's an art museum. Okay. And they have rotating specialty as well as historical art. So there's sort of the obligatory portraiture and things related to the witch trials, but we also try to do a lot of indigenous art and local to the area and beadwork and things like that that sort of reflect that not all history is made by old white men. No, absolutely. Okay, so you you mentioned some of the the food, uh, some of the different restaurants and everything that kind of interspersed between some of the uh, the different shops and attractions. What are some of your favorite restaurants that uh, we should look at uh, when we come there to visit? Assuming you're staying in Pickering Wharf, it's sort of, there's a little loop that you can walk, you know, a horseshoe-shaped street that's all stores and shops and a couple of restaurants. And that's an easy go-to for me, especially if I have people who are really interested in like, what's the freshest seafood that I can get? And there's the sea level 
and Finns, F-I-N-Z. They are both really good for seafood. The seafood, the sea level is more casual. Finns is a step up. You could still bring kids, but it's cloth napkins. And both of them are, I mean, we're right in the ocean. And so you should expect really good seafood at either place. I really enjoy both of them. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we lost my go-to favorite restaurant, which was Salem Beer Works, which was a microbrew and grill. It is being replaced by another place that I enjoy quite a lot, but I don't believe it's open as of now, although it may be. I haven't been downtown in a couple of months, so I'm not really sure. Sure. It always breaks my heart whenever we see a, a craft beer place close. For real. (laughs) Now, if we want to go uh, out someplace for breakfast before we head out for the day, where would we go for for a good breakfast? We have several diners. One is an old train car and another is always has been stationary, but it's the size of an old train car. So there's Debbie's and the other one, I believe, I don't remember what the other one is called. Now, I guess actually now that I think of it, but it's right by the Salem State Campus. Salem State University is our our big college. And there's the Ugly Mug Diner and a couple of other small breakfasty sorts of places more downtown on Essex Street in Salem. So you really kind of can't go wrong. Like we are a tourist town. We know how to keep our tourists happy. Now, what about if, um, you know, say it's mid-afternoon and the kids are want a little snack and they've been behaving for a change, you know, <laughs> if we want to get some ice cream or like, a, like chocolates or some sort of sweets, where would we go for that? There are two big suggestions that I would make. One is called The Dairy Witch, and that is a standalone ice cream place. It's a little bit out of the downtown area, so you would need an Uber or the like, a cab to get there and back. It wouldn't be hugely expensive, but it's a little longer than I could walk myself, although it is very close to the infamous Walgreens that I was mentioning before, (laughs) you know, approximately a mile, give or take, out of the downtown area. And then the other place, and this is right downtown, it's across from the House of the Seven Gables. So from the Nathaniel Hawthorne story, right, is uh, Ye Old Pepper Company, and it's spelled company with an I-E at the end of it. And it's one of the oldest continually operating candy shops in the country. Oh, wow. And so that's pretty neat. And it's right downtown. It's little, so it gets crowded easily. So our tendency if we take our kids, is to send them through one at a time and let them look around and choose what they want and leave it at the counter. Ah, there you go. And have a parent go in last so that we're not creating a crowd in there. But I have four kids, and so we are a crowd everywhere we go. It's just (laughs) sort of how it works. But it's really good, and their fudge is to die for. That's awesome. Kate, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips for Salem. I've learned a lot, and I can't wait to come there and visit. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Salem, where should they go and what should they eat? I would say go to the Derby, which is on Derby Street, creatively enough. It's a bar and grill. It's got a good range of options. So whether you are vegetarian or not, there's something there and they have a really good drinks menu as well. What's your favorite go-to when you go there? They have good poutine, which is unusual in the States. So their poutine is an appetizer or their steak tips are really good. Oh, nice. I always love me some good steaks. 
Right. On. So you've been in Salem for 20 plus years. What's one of your most amazing stories? So in 2009, we were living here after a little bit of a break for living in grad school briefly in New Hampshire. And I was tremendously pregnant with my third. And so it was the day after Valentine's Day. So that's when you go and buy the on-sale chocolate, right? Of course. And I went to, again, the Walgreens. See, you know, this there's a vibe here. I went to this <laughs> the Walgreens. And the reason that I point out my pregnancy is because it, it helps me date it, that this was, at, this was in February 2010 by this point. And it matters that it was not anywhere near Halloween. And I'm walking to the sale rack. And you know how you just sort of glance to one side as you go down the aisles, just checking out who's around. And I go by the Hallmark aisle. So it's all pink and getting ready for Easter and whatever the next holiday was. And there are two people standing there. Both appeared to be men. One was dressed head to toe in Santa Claus. You know, the red velvet, black boots, the whole night. The other was about seven feet tall in full goth. Black fingernails, all black, you know, white powder makeup, that kind of like really leaning in to the look. And first of all, it's not every day in most times <laughs> that you see Santa and goth. And they weren't together, by the way. They weren't interacting in any way. So I have no reason to assume that they were there as a pair or as friends or even noticed each other. But what was fabulous is that nobody looked twice. <laughs> This is normal for Salem. We There's a man in a chicken suit who wanders downtown on the regular. And this is just, oh, there's the chicken guy. What do you want for breakfast? That kind of like, it's how we roll here. And that is sort of encapsulates how we have the normal things, but we really own our weird. That is so awesome. I think actually it'd be better if both of those guys were actually buddies and they were just hanging out. One is Santa and one is the goth guy. But, uh, <laughs> you know, either way, it, it, the fact that nobody else in the store thought it was weird. We were all just like, yep, moving on. That is so cool. That is so cool. Well, speaking of fun times and, and happy memories, where's the happiest happy hour in Salem? Tough one. I think my I think the best has to be the bit bar, which is, you know, B-I-T-B-A-R. And that is the place that is moving into the old beer works building. So it's sort of in flux, but should be open for the next tourist season. And the cool thing about it is it's got a pretty good drink menu and it's an 80s arcade. Oh, cool. So kids are welcome up until about 8 or 9 p.m. and then they sort of sweep the kids out and it's adults only. So it's got a good range of both family friendly and less so. And I mean, who doesn't love a good game of Tetris or Galaga while you're having a drink? For sure. And, and some of those games, you're actually probably a little bit better at them after a couple of beers. I will say that. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. What's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Salem? I think the Engine House, which is also on Derby Street. Derby is sort of one of the main drags in Salem. And so a lot is on Derby Street. But the Engine House has a good popular with the college crowd, which is always a really good sign for pizza. And it's an easy walk to everything. Sounds perfect. So uh, obviously between all the tourism that comes there, uh, you know, in your podcast, which we'll talk about in a minute and everything else, you have a lot of good, good tips for kind of for life as well as for kind of experiences and everything else. What's your best travel tip? Find a local if you possibly can, especially if you're coming in October. 
find somebody who lives here where you can leave your car during the day and either they drive you or you get an Uber downtown or grab the shuttle. You can also park at the high school in October and get a shuttle from there and that's free. But if you can find a local, you know that you have a place to leave your car without worrying about parking on a tourist and you have a place to use the bathroom at the end of the day and just sort of a home base that helps tremendously. It helps in kind of any tourist town, but especially Salem, it's an old town and our streets were, are laid out on what used to be cow paths. So there's a lot of one way, there's a lot of very narrow streets. And if you're coming here to have a good day and enjoy yourself, don't park downtown. That makes a lot of sense. Now, how common is it for you actually to meet somebody that's a, that's a local there to be able to say, hey, I know you just met me, but do you mind if I park my car at your house? Most of us wouldn't care. You know, at my house, I've got plenty of street parking. I live about a mile from the downtown area. And if somebody said to me, can I park there? I wouldn't necessarily let them in to use the bathroom if they were a stranger, but I wouldn't care if they wanted to park. I think that's one of the, the hallmarks of you know, some of these small towns is that it's more welcoming and, and it's more just, hey, that's cool. Come on over and, and hang out. Because living in L.A., where I, used to, where I grew up, Absolutely not. Like, what are you talking about, weirdo? There's absolutely no way you're coming over to my house. So, yeah, no, that's really cool with, like, small towns like that. And that's one of the reasons why I left L.A., I think, because I want to be able to be in that type of environment. So, Kate, thank you for coming on the show and sharing all those amazing tips. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about your podcast? And if somebody has questions about your podcast or Salem, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? Sure. My podcast is called Ignorance Was Bliss. I am a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician on disability now because I broke my back. And so this is sort of my way of still using the skills that I learned. And I call myself a story collector. Every episode is meant to be standalone. So you can bounce in, bounce out, depending on what the topic is. And we talk about either the guest's creative process or experiences they've had, or we go into a more structured narrative of historical or crime-related event. And the thing that I love about podcasting is that you're allowed to change what you do because I started out thinking that my show was going to be very like giving a lecture about what forensic psychology is and is not and very true crime and over time, that has switched to the point where I've talked to everybody from authors and actors to listeners who have specific stories they want to share. And people can find me at iwbpodcast.com or online. Probably Twitter is the easiest at iwbpodcast or iwbpodcast at gmail.com. Well, fantastic. Well, again, we appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Absolutely. Thank you. What a fun conversation with Kate. I'd love to visit Salem during October to experience the spooky attractions and see all the creative costumes. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Salem. We want to say thank you to Clear for being today's affiliate partner. Clear keeps you moving through airports, stadiums, and more with their exclusive touchless ID verification technology. Take advantage of our special limited time offer where you can try Clear free for two months. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash clear to sign up today. Join us next time as we head to Napier, New Zealand to speak with my new friends Paul Riken and Sandra Rosenau of minimalistjourneys.com. 
In this episode, we talk about attending the Art Deco Festival, exploring the National Aquarium, and tastings at the local wineries. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app that we don't miss any of upcoming destinations. Bye.